Welcome to No Church Answers, the weekly Christian podcast for men. We're not pastors, just regular guys looking to model positive Christian leadership in our work, families, church, and communities. Want to discover ways to apply scripture effectively in everyday life? Tired of the pat answers in Sunday school? Then settle in for a gritty, authentic, and unexpectedly funny Christian podcast. And now, No Church Answers. And welcome to No Church Answers, a Christian roundtable discussion for men. And this is podcast number 286, hard to believe. And we're glad you're here. And where is here? Here is Sugarland, Texas. So grab a globe, spin it rubbing. Not sure where you ended up, but spin it around. Find Texas. Southeast side of Texas is Houston. Southwest side of Houston is Sugarland. And that's where we're at. Uh, we're not pastors, just regular guys, each on our own journey, just meeting daily challenges like you, and that's why we're here. We're having a Christian roundtable discussion for men, and unlike others, we aren't taking church answers. So um, thank you so much for uh, continuing to support this podcast, downloading it, and uh, we got a full full group here tonight, so I'm going to jump right in, and I want to introduce the uh, our panel. It... <sighs> We're going to start out. He is a former world-class policy writer, a current professional gambler. He is the show producer. It's Steve Titch. Hey, Steve. Hey, hey, hey. That's it, man. Uh, a former prosecutor, but he is an attorney, kind of the group historian. We call him the judge, Michael Cropper. Mike. 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 Looking good. And welcome back. He is a corporate trainer, kind of the group theologian. We call him the professor. He's been out. He swore he's going to bring a note from his wife. But anyway, boss, well, boss, welcome not the back wife. to the professor, Robert Koshu. My name is Bill Cox. Yo, it's hello. great to be here. I'm going to kick it off, and, and I'm going to throw it to the producer, uh, Steve Titch. Yeah, I, I'm going to I'm going to kind of introduce uh, the introduction um, because this is a Mike's uh, Mike show. Um, but I'll begin by saying, yeah. Uh, why did I lose my job? Well, God has a plan. <laughs> Why did my house flood in the storm? No, well, <laughs> God has a plan, Right. <laughs> and, uh, and why did God allow Fairleigh Dickinson to beat... Purdue. Purdue. <laughs> <laughs> it got good. My plan. <laughs> but anyway, that's that's what we're gonna because if there's a if there's a church answer that that's right at the top, it's well, God must have a plan. Or God's will. Or okay. God's will. Or, or, Alternately, yes. you God's will. Well, that's that's, that's where right. we're going. So that's where we're gonna go with this uh, today. Uh, exactly, uh, you know, what is God's will? Discerning it. And if there's a perfect will, a divine will, and an acceptable will. But I'll, I'll turn it over to Mike, who's done a lot of research on this. Yeah, folks, we, uh, we, in the past, we've made comments, and, 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 and you hear that phrase, what Steve just said constantly, if it be God's will, especially when we're praying for somebody to be healed. Lord, heal them, uh, especially we prayed for, for Bill's wife, she has cancer, and, and, and Lord, Healer, and I said, I'm not going to say if it's God's will. I want him to heal her. Period. So, but most of us do that. We've come to where we say, and we pray, Lord, do such and such and such and such, if it be Your will. Okay. So, let's get further with that. What do I think of when I some say or hear somebody mention God's perfect will? Not just God's will, but His perfect will. 
I, I think myself in, in a manner that I live in a manner that pleases God and I will prosper in my life because I'm living a life that is pleasing to God. So finding God's perfect will can be difficult, especially when he does not reveal it or does not reveal everything he has planned for us, nor does he always make decisions on the small details of our life. Like, uh, what clothes am I going to wear today? What food am I going to eat for lunch? How much food am I going to eat for lunch? <laughs> or should I go to work early? Folks, those are simple things. So what, what, what do we know about God's will for us? There are some basic couple rules that we know God has for us. So these rules are great for very basic foundations serving God, but they do not answer the very important questions that we face, like, <laughs> who should I marry? What should I do for my profession or job? Where should I go to college? Or where should I live after college? Or which team should I bet on? <laughs> yeah. Right. You're all right. right. Okay. Anyway, does God have a perfect plan or will, which you guys have just mentioned to you? And my answer is yes. Uh, Jeremiah said and made a statement reflecting what God wanted him to say. And that he said, for I know the plans I have for you. And notice the word plans there instead of perfect will. He says, notice the plans I have for you. So what is God's spoken will? Have we ever heard of that? I grew up attending, attending Sunday school, and I was taught stories about the Bible about how God called people through his voice or through an angel or a prophet to accomplish an important work he had for them. We would say that these people knew God's perfect will for their life. Now, so if God shows us his perfect will, can we ask him to change it because we do not like what he is proposing? Okay. So if God modifies our plan for us further still, are we still in God's perfect plan or will? Or have we become part of an acceptable plan because of the change? So the question really is, does God have an acceptable will or a permissive will as well as a perfect will? Now, let me give an example, and you all will know this, uh, this example. We are all familiar with Moses. God called Moses to lead the Jewish nation out of Egypt and to their promised land. Now, God spoke to Moses through a burning bush. However, are you aware that God modified his original plan to accommodate Moses? Moses did not want to do it, so he came up with various excuses. And Moses said to God, I cannot do that. And then God countered his request for Moses to lead the people out of Egypt. He countered Moses' statement, I cannot do that. And then Moses said, the Jewish leaders will not believe that you sent me. And that's Exodus 3.14. And God had countered this excuse with, tell the leaders that I am sent you. And then Moses again whined. And he said, suppose the people still do not believe me. Exodus 4.1. Finally, after more bantering between Moses and God, Moses concluded, God, I just cannot do it because I cannot talk good. So God became angry and he said, Okay, I'm going to send Aaron with you. So Moses complained so much that God allowed Aaron to accompany him. That's Exodus 4, 14 through 16. So the summary of, of my introduction here is that you see, Moses was God's pristine choice to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. But God modified his choice to accommodate Moses' request. So does God have an acceptable will or permissible will? Well, this is the topic we're going to address today in today's podcast. Bill? Um, we're going to go ahead with Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, 
plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And now uh, 1 Samuel 8, 4 through 22. So all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. They said to him, you are old and your sons do not follow your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us, such as all the other nations have. But when they said, give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel. So he prayed to the Lord and the Lord told him, listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. As they have done from the day I brought them up out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me and serving other gods. So they are doing to you. Now listen to them. But warn them solemnly and let them know what the king who will reign over them will claim as his rights. Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking him for a king. He said, this is what the king who will reign over you will claim as his rights. He will take your sons and make them serve with his chariots and horses. They will run in front of his chariots. Some he will assign to be commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties and others to plow the ground and reap his harvest and still others to make weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive groves and give them to his attendants. He will take a tenth of your grain and of your vintage and give it to the officials and the attendants, your male and female servants and the best of your cattle and donkeys. He will take for his own use. He will take a tenth of your flocks and you yourselves will become his slaves. When that day comes, you will cry out for relief from the king you have chosen, but the Lord will not answer you in that day. But the people refused to listen to Samuel. No, they said, we want a king over us. Then we will be like all the other nations with a king to lead us and go out before us and fight our battles. When Samuel heard all the people said, he repeated it before the Lord. The Lord answered, listen to them and give them a king. Well, we have two examples. This is a big one. And the Moses example that Mike gave us. Uh, that God changed his mind and nobody sinned here. It wasn't, it wasn't as if the Israelite people disobeyed him. He didn't like the idea of him getting a king. That wasn't his plan. That wasn't his will. But they, uh, the, the Israelite people asked he warned them and said, you're not going to like it. You're not, it's not going to work out for you the way you think it is. They said, nope, nope, nope. We want one anyway, just like everybody else. And he says, Let, listen to them and give them a king. So, so he, he, he goes along with that. Now, so, so we have this right here, an illustration of God changing his mind, or at least, at least going along, having an acceptable will. Now, I, the reason I wanted to talk about this, the reason Mike and I wanted to talk about it, Mike especially, yeah. Mike talked about just now uh, that he was brought up at some point and where he was told, if you, uh, if you deviate from God's plan, you're sinning. Yeah. Um, I was brought up, and I, I remember at least one nun telling me, everything I do, God knows that I was going to do it. To her, the entire human history 
existed as a final script before before even the world was created before before god said let there be light and we we're we're here to dispute that and and we think we have a num a, a large amount of biblical evidence to show that god calls audibles <laughs> professor so i'm going to go with god hedges his bets sometimes so because so the the people of israel come in and go hey we want a king and everybody acts like this is the first time that ever happened however in deuteronomy while they're in the wilderness 17 14 to 20 when you enter the, the land the lord your god has given you and have taken possession of it and settled in it and you say let us set a king over us like all the nations around us be sure to appoint over you a king the lord your god chooses who he must be from among your fellow israelites do not place a horn over you one who is non-Israelite, the king wherever must not acquire great numbers of horses for himself or make the people return to Egypt to get more of them. For the Lord has told you, you are not to go back that way again. He must not take many wives or his heart will be led astray. He must not accumulate large amounts of silver and gold. When he takes the throne of his kingdom, he is to write for himself on a scroll a copy of his law taken from the Levitical priest. Be with him and he is to read it all the days of his life so he may learn Revere the Lord as God and follow carefully all the words of his law and these decrees. And do not consider himself better than his fellow Israelites and turn from the law to the right or the left. Then he and his descendants will reign a long time over his kingdom in Israel. And I'm just going to point out, David and Solomon, how many of those things did they break <laughs> and become king? There's, there's a willingness to, for, for God to change his plans or rethink his decisions. And, and so, well, God might have a perfect or divine will for the world, uh, there's this acceptable will idea. And it's, sometimes it is due to sin, man's sinful ways. Sometimes he has to adjust, but not every time. And then the implication is, can we, as believers or in the church, change God's mind? Can we discern something and like Moses or... Abraham. I was going to say Abraham. <laughs> that, the, um, the one that always comes to mind is, is Abraham having negotiations with God for the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. Yes, God, if I can find 100 people, will you spare me? <laughs> sure. Well, what if I find 50? Okay. How about 20? <laughs> you know, and, and, and it's back and forth. And, and it's one of those. I, I had a professor, Mike, and when we were looking at the at the Moses Aaron scenario you discussed. That professor thought Moses actually did lose something there. When Aaron said, okay, fine. When God finally said, okay, Aaron can go and speak for you. And not sure what it is, but there was something lost there. And I, and I think it's one of those, I, I think a good way to think about it is God's perfect will is how God ordains and wants things to happen. And the other thing is, is there's that perfect will, but then his acceptable will is what will he allow, what will be, okay, that's acceptable. And then there's permissible, which is, okay, fine, whatever, <laughs> and we do it. And then there's being outside of God's will. And, and I think those are th four varying degrees that really occur. And, and, you know, examples. God doesn't care one way or the other would be number five, actually. 
what I ate for lunch today. God really doesn't care. I hate, I hate to tell everybody this, but as long as I'm eating healthy, let, let's leave it at that. Then I'm now, you know, once I go totally off the rails and I'm eating a quarter pound cheeseburger every day for lunch, half pound steak for dinner every night with bacon and eggs for breakfast, I might find myself out of God's will in the sense that now I'm doing something that's not healthy for me. But by and large, does God care what I eat day to day? No. Does he care that I eat and have sustenance to maintain myself? Give us this day our daily. What? Bread? Yes, I think he does. The question is, yes. Yeah, yeah. You guys have pointed out some great points. And the step further I want to go is, is, is I looked at the Internet, and I was getting a lot of opinions from different pastors and such. And they said, that could be scary. Many of them said, <laughs> what you said, they said, anything but God's perfect will, if you modify it, is a sin. And I don't agree with it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no. Which is what we're talking about. I totally will not go along with that. Yes, yes. Because because here's the thing. Pastors, if you're saying that, that's called hubris, that you think you know what the divine God that said light and there was light, his will is. And if you know that about every little detail of your life, Call me and tell me how you know that, because 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 the last the last time I checked, outside of about a three year period, from somewhere around thirty A.D. ish in that time frame, there was not a way that God was sitting around talking every day with people, and even then I'm just going to throw this out. Jesus never was very. Ex- I mean. You know, the the disciples are like, God, when are you going to come back? Well, no man knows the hour or the day or the time, but here's signs you should watch for. You know, well, what should we do? Well, the Holy Spirit will come and tell you. Well, how do we know what that is? I mean, he wasn't like, there were a few things he was very direct about. And and what I think is funny is, and we've talked multiple times about this, who was he the harshest to? The religious people. I honestly think the pastors are sitting there running around telling you, well, if you're doing things outside of God's will, it's a sin. But you, I'd like to know how you discern what God's will is. Because guess what? I've been a Christian since I was roughly 14-ish. Do I know what God's will is? No. <laughs> you know, it, do I get ideas about it? Yeah. Do I pray about things I'm doing? Yeah. But it's just one of those things where I, I think it is the height of human arrogance and hubris to sit there as a pastor and tell somebody, well, if you're outside of God's will, you're sinning. The sense that God's will is that you study your catechism every Saturday morning and not watch cartoons. That's pain. Pain. Man, they were no fun. Man, they want to take my Bugs Bunny away? <laughs> I watch Bugs Bunny. You know, I, 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 I've just always felt that uh, I had a certain amount of free will. <clears throat> and, the, and the thing about it is, to be divinely inspired means to, to me to go against probably what you normally would do. 
And whereas if you're divinely inspired and you're doing exactly what you are destined to do, then you wouldn't feel any additional inspiration, I don't believe. I believe it has to be something that really just kind of hits you. And uh, and I think uh, the people that, I think more people are divinely inspired and don't do anything about it. And it hits them a few more times before they actually take action, if they ever do. Um, and the reason why they don't do it is because it's easier to be average. It's easier to go along and get along than it is to maybe do something that's a little bit upstream. I I think what you're pointing to here is that there is a you're not going to know God's will all the time, but there'll be signposts. I was off to do something that I was getting pretty strong indications that I really shouldn't do it. Um, Like um, kind of getting lost (laughs) on the way to where, you know, know, having issues with with the location. And kind of the word was coming down. You, you do this. You're doing it. Not the God saying, not with my. You're, I'm not on board with this. And so I, there's, there was a distinct message that you know you're on your own, Steve, <laughs> on this one. Right. This is not what I really want you to do. Yeah. Um, and so there, there were those. I think. And it's not Robert, like I says, you, you cannot presume to know it, and you certainly don't know this 24-7. Yeah. But I, I think there have been times where uh, when you're close to the Lord, you, you it, sounds, it sounds silly, you get a sign. <laughs> but it's not really a sign. It's more of a, well, we were talking coincidences. It's an affirmation. Little, little, well, you have yeah. some great, it, you have it, some great stories, affirmation. Mike, about people... When, when you're people showing up at at the absolute right time, you need them to. What, what mm-hmm. did you talk about? Yeah. Well, that's uh, but but honest. But here's the thing, though, Mike. Of those stories, and I've heard a couple of them that I know yeah. the good ones that you're going to tell is this: you're looking hindsight at the results oh. of those stories. Now, the thing about no. Gr- <laughs> No church answers is this. How do we know when that's happening to us? You know what I'm saying? I mean, do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, you you had to have known that the person that was put in your life was there for your good. Before I go into this real quick, folks, I want to mention something here. This and, and this might help us. And I'm, I was thinking about this on the way over. And we've all talked about this one time or another. But the guys have talked about when Israel wanted a king. Were they? And I, I'm asking, were they sinning? Because Robert read what in Deuteronomy, where it was predicted long before <laughs> yeah. they ever asked for a king, it was predicted that they were going to ask for a king, and God was going to allow them to have a king, and there would be repercussions to their request. And I'm going to throw this in real quick. Folks, when you don't do God's perfect will, there may be repercussions. It's going to be a harder like road. The laws mm-hmm. of nature. Yes, well, well, look what happened. Eventually, the uh, Israelites in Judah were taken to Babylon 
because of their king leading them to do things they were not supposed to do to worship idols. But if they, but a king back in that time meant that you had a organized civilization. And so just like the others surrounding kingdom, or in other words, they had a corporate entity, okay, yep. to follow. And if they didn't, that would have relied on how spiritual each of the individuals, the warlords or whoever was in charge of their own little particular area was, whereas at least with a king, you would be able to start creating some semblance of order of a kingdom. And that's most likely what they were thinking about, even if it was going to cost them a little bit of money. But, it, but it's interesting because because God was telling him not to do that. Well, we, and we talked about this way back when we were doing Samson and the Judges. Yes. Was it was it yes. absolutely really would have would have a historian might tell you well that the nation of Israel would not have survived because academically this and this and this and this were happening. But you, we're, we as Christians we're supposed mm. to believe God had a plan. Yes. God yeah. God may have, you know, figured had it all figured out, but the Israelites said, No, 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 we gotta do what everybody else is doing. So and and but but go ahead. Okay. Yeah, yeah. okay. Well, Folks. Th- th- there's an argument that, that the Israelites needed David to really defeat the Philistines mm-hmm. in the way they were to really come together and unite. But anyway, continue, yeah, Mike. No, I'm sorry. Okay. Folks, I've mentioned this before, and the guys have heard this. Uh, and, and I've mentioned to you uh, that, that God spoke to me once, uh, much like the prophets, uh, much like Moses, uh, whatever. It, 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 as I look back, it struck me that way. Um, I, I played in rock groups back when I was in high school and, and for a short time afterward. And then I became a disc jockey and delivered news on a local radio station. Um, I accepted Christ when I was 20 years old, and uh, I had been a carpenter, and I did remodeling for 10 years after college, and I loved that also. Uh, when I became a Christian, I sought God and His perfect will for my life. Now, as I, I've mentioned in the past, my mistake here, and it's not a mistake, it's perfectly what God wanted me to do, and that's simply I asked God to give me faith. And that was the thing or the request or the prayer you were supposed to do in the 70s when you gave your life to the Lord. And I gave my life to the Lord in 1971. So approximately nine years later, I, I went on to be a carpenter, had a ball doing it, but I kept getting laid off in the jobs that I was doing. I'd work for a long time, save some money, and then get laid off for a week, two weeks, and then spend the money I saved. So it got frustrating, and I said, come on, Lord, should I go back to college and get another degree? Because I had gotten a degree from the University of Texas in journalism. Well, one day, when I was 34 years old, he spoke to me as clear as day. He didn't say it once. He said it at least three times. And just with a voice, he said, go to law school. Go to law school. Well, I immediately started preparing, and I I took some classes, and I took the LSAT, but I didn't do well. Okay? It took me three years to get into law school. And... The way I got into law school, the Lord opened the door for me. I went and talked to one of the persons who was on the admissions board. And I said, uh, what can I do that will up my, uh, 
ability to get into law school or, or have a chance. I'm wandering around in this wilderness <laughs> for three years <laughs> before I get to the gates of the promised land. It's true. And, and, and this, this person instructed me to write a letter to the board, admissions board, and tell them why I should get in. Well, I wasn't going to tell them. God told me. They said, we don't want this right. guy. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. uh, I, I, I eventually got in, and I even knew a month or two months before I got in that I was going to get accepted. And I can't tell you how I knew. It's a gut feeling. But I got the letter in, in December um, of 19, I want to say 87, and it was the same day, I think in the, I mentioned this in the past, the same day that my wife told me she was pregnant. And boy, was that a slap in the face. When I'm sitting there, how am I ever going to make it through law school, much less uh, pay for another baby? But anyway, the first semester, I did poorly in law school. So, of course, I asked God if I was really supposed to be there. I threw a temper tantrum, didn't want to go back. And I did better the second semester, but not good enough to get off scholastic probation, which I'd been put on the first semester. Now, during the second semester I was there, I attended the Christian Legal Society. And I met another Christian student who told me I should take a certain class and study a certain material and I would make a B in, the, in that class and I would be pulled out of scholastic probation. In fact, she says you'll make an 84 in the class. Now, these were not test paperwork that I studied. I just studied that what this professor generally put on his test and the particular laws I was supposed to study. Well, um, the third semester I started, and I had to do well that semester. Uh, my dad, however, his house caught fire and he died in the house fire. So that was after the first week and I thought, you know what, uh, maybe the Lord's trying to tell me to drop out. Seriously, because you don't know the Lord's will many times, folks. So I went to the registrar's office to drop out of law school that third semester and I, did, and I told myself I would return later. In the registrar's office was the dean, uh, uh, dean Gerald Treese, who has been on television many times, and he gives his opinion on many facts or, or laws regarding to uh, things, events that have happened. He hasn't been on recently, but he used to be on quite regularly. And, and he turned and looked at me, and I'd had him for two classes the first two semesters. And he looked at me and he said, what are you doing in here? Do not drop out. Do not quit. You will not come back if you do. So I, 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 I was shocked. I said, okay, Lord, I'll take that as a step of hearing from you. So I went to my dad's house, and on his dresser, he had left me a check for tuition for the semester of law school that semester. Okay? So I finished the third semester. I made the B in the class I was supposed to make. In fact, I made the 84, which the girl told me I would probably make, which is amazing. Uh, and then after that, I saw divine events occur in, while I was in law school that I've not been able to explain other than it gave me great faith. And I'm going to tell you the last thing I put in on the way over here, folks. Um, in law school, they have classes where you prepare to do trials. And they call call those uh, um, whatever practice trials or whatever. I didn't take any of those. I didn't take any of the classes. I didn't do any practice trials because I had family at home and I had to get home and I had to work also on the weekends. The third year, the fourth year I was there. I took four years instead of three. The fourth year I was there by divine appointment. 
a professor was walking down the hallway and I was going up to ask questions of one of my professors. And this professor stopped me and says, hey, you want to, be a go you want to go and be a, a student over with the Houston Municipal Courts? They telling me you can try real trials. And I, I, I said, yes, absolutely. So I went over and like I said, I did not know this professor, mm -hmm. but she happened to be talking to the other one I was going to see. And I went to the Houston Municipal Courts, folks, I tried eight jury trials. I, I tried eight trials, which no student got to do. Even the students who went to work for the Assistant District Attorney's Office never got to try a trial. I talked to them regularly. They got to try hearings, but they never got to speak to a jury. They never got to have the juries make the decisions on the outcome of their trials, and I did. So this is another confirmation that God gave me. But there were many, many more, and, and, and by that, my faith increased just tremendously. This is No Church Answers. We'll be right back. Hey, pastors, pastors and church, church leaders. leaders, are you looking to create an exciting program that will attract, engage, and inspire men in your congregation? Book a live Man Up Spiritual Oasis podcast for your next men's ministry event. Called authentic, gritty, and unexpectedly funny, Man Up has been delighting podcast listeners since 2017. We're not pastors, just regular guys willing to talk about scripture and how we can apply it to our personal faith journeys. Man Up is a refreshing alternative to predictable motivational speakers, offering your audience a chance to connect with everyday Christian men who don't settle for routine Sunday school answers. Interested in learning more? Visit man-upspiritualoasis.com. Or contact Bill Cox at liveshow at manupmedia.org. And now, back to the fellows of Man Up. And welcome back. This is No Church Answers. Uh, Professor, welcome back. Hadn't seen you in a, You've been in a beautiful Iowa. No, I was in I was in Oklahoma the last time. I was out. Oh, nice. <laughs> you sound very similar, Bill. I, I, they, and, and believe me, when I say this, for where I go, Iowa, I go to Dubuque, Iowa, Dubuque, Iowa is the garden spot of where I visit when I travel for work. <laughs> oh, low bar. Yeah, okay. yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I think that part of knowing God's will is, is doing the things we talk about every day. You know, exercising your faith muscle. Studying your scripture, reading the Bible, those are two different things, by the way. Spending time in prayer, fellowship, service. I think when you do all of those things, it puts you more, I'm going to use the word, attuned to what's going on in the spiritual realm, to where when you're presented with things, you can more discern, figure out what is God's will as you're looking at it. You know, you can... You can do things where, for, for a guy, it's your gut. Your gut is telling you do this. Mm -hmm. Well, if you're walking with God on that daily basis and doing those things, when you're presented with options, opportunities, and other things, your gut will tell you, hey, here's where to go. And, and hey, let's be real. That's called the Holy Spirit giving you this. The other thing is, I think there are times when we think, Things are just insanely stupid, and I'm going to use so my journey over the past several years at work. So I literally left a company for a 25% pay raise to go to someplace else. Didn't work out as right. 
end up at dinner with a friend of mine from another company, got recruited while I was at dinner, jumped to that company, stayed there for two years, got laid off. Talk about a scary moment. Get laid off after the age of 50 if you're a guy and go tell me how that feels. Going through a period of time, finally applying, getting hired where I am now, and in less than a year, here's where the divine part comes in, ready? In less than a year, I end up getting, I'm now the manager, so I'm running the whole training department. Here's what the catch is. That happened at the exact moment, well, let me rephrase it. That happened about two months before we discussed my mom moved into assisted living. My mom's money ran out. She has a delta of money between what she earns and what she has to spend. The amount I got on my pay raise covered her delta. I would not have gotten the position I am in now had I not spent two years at the company where I was prior to this with oil and gas which I wouldn't have been even got a hint of if I hadn't went to the other company where I ended up getting taken to dinner by my friend who worked for the, I mean, it, it's one of those. Well, yeah. The, it's, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to, well, I want to, I want to switch this because one, one thing I want to touch on before we go. Well, yeah. one um, is, is that, um, well, I, I'm going to go out and say it. I, I think the church, I'm going to, I could say the church, the church universal, um, believers. I'm not talking about the Catholic mm-hmm. Church or the Protestant Church. The Church, the community of believers worldwide, or as a corporate unit, even even if it's so disorganized, God has made us co-creators. Mm-hmm. And that is that's part in, of the plan. in His image. That is in part of the plan. That that mm-hmm. this is this is not necessarily, you know. We, you could go back to the Garden of Eden. We, we were given agency. Humans, humans were created with agency. Put them in, you know, the garden to essentially steward it. So it's not as if God was the master and has written this script. He is looking for his kingdom here on earth to, in some cases, yes, take an initiative. He, can, he has given us the word. He has told us what the expectations are. But um, you, you, you talk about one of, when, when I read history, um, Stephen Ambrose writes about this. Um, the reason the U.S. is often so successful, the U.S. military, is that it trains its soldiers, it trains its officers to take the initiative on the battlefield. To if if the plan as if the plan goes to hell, which it usually does, as Eisenhower said, hey, it's great you know until the, yeah. everything's great until hey, the <laughs> only thing that survived the plan never survives contact with the enemy yes. is the way Pat. But but you look you look at the way. Um, the way you could take just D-Day as an example, the Germans had a way of doing things, and no one was going to release those tanks until the order came from Bermgarten, where Hitler was having a nap. And however, down there, where all where, where everything was coming to pieces on the beaches, the commanding officers there said, "This is what we got to do." Well, and and, and the they great knew what their orders were, but they, but and but and that has, and, and you and you can certainly appreciate that, Bill, because you you've been there. That's that's the way I think God has designed us. We we're not we're not 
We're, we're supposed to actually look for his will, mm -hmm. but at, we're, we're part of continuing this great creation narrative, this great narrative of redemption. Um, we're not passive. And I think that's the biggest challenge to us. And I'm going to go as far. I'm among those who says, well, God has a plan, but here, here, I'm going to throw this out. God doesn't know the future because the future doesn't exist. God knows everything, but the future, if you think about it, is inherently unknowable. You know, it, it, it seems like you can know it because, you know, it follows along, but that's purely a temporal dimension that we have. Um, we, we, the, the future, no one knows what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't, but God will have a hand in it. You will have a hand in it. Um, and now that's, that's, I mean, I'm going off doctrine sometimes, but, but, uh, you know, that's, I think, and I'm, and, and I'm going to leave you with this because we just, we just, this year has been an interesting year where you had Doctor Strange and the multiverse of madness and you had this great movie called Everything Everywhere All at Once which posits this idea that every time you make a decision you create another universe uh, every time you decide this uh, that happens to you and that you have multiple paths and I'm going to say if, if this is the case God knows every path for every decision every single person in history has done or not done and that's kind of an awesome thing to understand and and that's why he can say well follow this path he can say to the israel follow this path and you'll get to where you're going but the great thing also is that god calls these audibles you can you're never the the bible says you're never so far gone that you can't come back i think god will always give you a path back but sometimes you got to choose to take it. You can you can leave the path he has planned. He'll 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 figure he'll you'll he'll he'll throw some he'll he'll throw some things in your direction to get you back. Uh, Michael Cropper, you have a uh, takeaway uh, that you really want. <laughs> Yeah, uh, folks. How do we go find, to law school? How do, we, how do we how do we find God's perfect will for us? Um, a couple things. Uh, ask him, like, like Robert said. Read scriptures. Pray. Ask your friends. Ask your spouse. If he is not giving you guidance on a critical issue, then he definitely did not do something you're not supposed to do, like break one of his rules or statutes. Keep working. Take care of your family. Keep doing the things you know you're supposed to do, even if he hasn't said to do them, because those are the right things to do. Now, I was supposed to, to go back and play rock, pardon me, I was not supposed to go back and play rock music when I accepted Christ. The knowledge, the knowledge came from my gut, as Robert said. So, if he doesn't answer your quest for guidance, wait for an answer. But make darn sure you're prayed up and you're, you're in good standing with your brothers and sisters. Ask your pastor and your friends. Now, I'm going to remind you something. It took him nine years to <laughs> tell me. It took him 40 years to tell Moses. Moses was 40 when he left Egypt. When God spoke to him, he was 80 years old. Folks, that particular 
set of facts was what kept, going, kept me going through law school because it was very difficult for me. My friend said, remember, God called Moses at 80 years old. I said, one day I said, Lord, you're not going to wait till I'm 80 years old to tell me, <laughs> are you? And I was serious because he could. But anyway, um, it took three years for me to enter law school. And one thing I didn't mention to you guys, I took an aptitude test with Johnson & Johnson right before I entered law school. And I was not supposed to be an attorney. I was not supposed to go to law school according to the aptitude scores on my test. But this God is your everywhere all at once moment here. Yeah. What if? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that, that was devil. A sandwich <laughs> artist? Is that what it said? What was it telling you we're supposed to do? What was what was the what was the direction? What was the direction? Come on, you gotta tell yeah, us. You gotta tell us though. No, but what was what was your aptitude uh, test? Underwear you know? model. Johnson, Johnson. No, seriously. Yeah. <laughs> to find, uh, oh no, to find out what I should be doing. Yeah. Right. I yeah. Be a carpenter or oh. be in computer <laughs> Building, not design, not software, but in the mechanics of it, because mm -hmm. I have an aptitude toward mechanical mm -hmm. stuff. Anyway, the good question. Anyway, but I learned to trust God because I went to law school and I was relatively good at trials because I practiced those and studied those as an attorney. Now, remember, we are we are to fit into God's plan. He does not fit into our plan, <laughs> and that's one of the things we've kind of been hitting at here. God has an umbrella plan for everything. He, he put it out from the beginning of time. And when he calls us, we are to fit into his process, which Steve said went in great detail there. So we have flexibility in our own lives. He gave us flexibility. What we wear, what we eat, what we do. Um, but remember this. If God gives you, gives you a, a, a call and, and he tells you what to do, and you have flexibility in that call, do not do things that in your gut are feel wrong. And one of those examples the guys have talked about, and Robert talked about, was those kings of Israel had multiple wives, okay? God had clearly said not to do that. Now, he didn't tell them it was sinning. In fact, he told David, he said, I would have given you more. You had your boss's wives, Saul's wives, along with your own wives, and I would have given you more, but you took Bathsheba. So you have repercussions and you have natural laws that, you, that are going to come back and bite you in the butt if you do those things that God tells you not to do. So remember this, folks. Where to fit into God's plan, he does not fit into our plans. Bill? Excellent. Thanks so much for tuning in. This is podcast number 286. My name is Bill Cox, and... On behalf of our producer, Mr. Steve Titch, Michael Cropper, Robert Koshu, our podcast is available on <laughs> Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Please rate our podcast and uh, give me a, a nice review. Uh, if you have any questions or comments, you can go to our Facebook page or knowchurchanswers.com and post it there. If you're unable to attend a church, uh, shame on you. Uh, check out uh, Sugarland Baptist Church streaming service. It's on Facebook, YouTube, and sugarlandbaptist.org. Starts Sundays at 9.45 a.m. And when you're ready, we encourage each and every one of you to join a local Bible-based church. Why local? So you'll go and participate, especially in this holiday season. So... Find a small group, ABF, Adult Bible Fellowship, or Sunday School class that you can join for discussions like this. 
Find one that is men only. If there isn't one, start one. And don't take any church answers. You've been listening to No Church Answers, the weekly Christian podcast for men. Tell us what you think. Leave a comment or review. Want to know more about us? Then visit NoChurchAnswers.com and our Facebook page. Check out our video series on our YouTube channel. You can also become a patron of No Church Answers by visiting our Patreon page. No Church Answers is a production of Man Up Spiritual Oasis Media, which is solely responsible for its content.